When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome back into 5th Avenue Faceoff. I'm Chris Mack of the Fan Morning Show, Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh. And of course, Odyssey, your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. That's where you go to make sure that you are subscribed to and downloading the latest episodes of Fifth Avenue Faceoff as soon as they are ready to go. Uh, that's where you want to be during the stretch run here as the Pens try to battle for the 17th consecutive playoff appearance, uh, which is currently, well, an NHL record. It's at least leading the NHL, I should say. Uh, and there's distance they're trying to put between themselves and teams around them in the standings. Uh, that distance can be represented visually sometimes, those statistics. And Michael Blake, Michael Blake McCurdy of HockeyViz.com. Follow on Twitter, at math is with me now here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Micah, thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. No problem. Pleasure's all mine. Um, so let's let's start here. Uh, before we get into, like, Penguin-specific topics or even, you know, the, the playoff picture, the trade deadline, all that kind of stuff, I guess my first question is, what leads someone – growing up where you are in your corner of the world to say, Hey, you know what? I'm a hockey fan and I love all the numbers that are a part of the game, but I just wish there was a better way to literally look at those numbers and start representing the numbers of the game, even the advanced analytics of the game visually the way you do. So I grew up in Halifax in Canada, but I didn't get into hockey until I moved away to do my PhD in Australia. And then I discovered that uh, that Australians are sports mad, but they are not hockey mad the same way Canadians are. And then something that was part of my blood, it seemed, was somehow just couldn't get it. And so I had to get into it. And when you get into something from a distance, you get into it much differently than if it's just in the air around you. And so that's when I really, you know, 10, 15 years ago now, that's when I really got into it. And of course, the joke about numbers, people are always asking me about numbers because I'm doing analytics, is that I'm no good with numbers. And, and I'm constantly doing stuff with pictures instead, because I think about things visually. I'm good right. with patterns and good with pictures. And so making things pictorial, visual was a way that I could understand them. And then that turned out to resonate with some other people and the rest is history. So did you start, I guess, with hockey or did you start with a sport that was more familiar to your friends in Australia? No, I started with hockey specifically because I wanted that connection to home. You know, I, I thought of it as a Canadian thing and I was missing okay. Canada specifically. So I've never done every now and again, I'm, I'm big into Aussie rules football, actually. And every now and okay. again, my friends there, you know, say, oh, you know, you're going to make us some stuff for Aussie rules football. And I say, no, no, shut up. I want to drink beer and yell at the TV. <laughs> so <laughs> this is an aside, but maybe you can explain Aussie rules football. I've never been able to understand the darn thing. Oh, it's tremendously fun. The most important thing is that you run real fast and uh, you have to kick the ball if you want a free kick. That's it. Okay. All right. Well, next time I see some, I'll be able to watch it now with at least a, a base level of knowledge. I appreciate that, Micah. Uh, so you grow up in Halifax. Um, 
did you play a lot of hockey as a kid? I imagine if you're like every other Canadian story we've heard, uh, you were born with skates on and thrown out on a frozen pond at the age of three. Oh, see, uh, I think you must be talking to people who have more money than me because we <laughs> we could never, ever afford. I asked my parents about hockey when I was a kid and they said, are you joking? And uh, <laughs> so I've, I've never, in fact, I still don't know how to skate. I'm a... Uh, Really? I, I embarrassed myself in an interview with a general manager once for a consulting gig with a team uh, when he asked me, you know, what is your hockey background? And I didn't quite understand the question. I said, I'm sorry, I don't know how to skate. And everybody in the room cracked up. Oh, no. So they came to you to talk to you about a consultancy position, but then they had to know that you would play the game at some level at some point? No, I got that job in the end, but they did. They wanted, they just, that's how, you know, you know what hockey people are like. That's how you yep. get to know someone. You know, you're like, oh, I didn't play, but my buddy played. Or yeah, my uncle played. Or I played a little bit up to, you know, junior B or whatever. You know, you tell right. them your background. But I don't have any background. I can't skate. <laughs> so what's it like for a kid growing up in Halifax then who's surrounded by hockey but doesn't know how to skate? What's, you're, you're opening up a whole new path towards hockey that I think a lot of us, dumb Americans have never considered before. We just assume you all, like I said, the, the prototypical thing, the stereotype I threw out, you're born with skates on and get thrown on a frozen pond at the age of three. Well, that, I mean, that stereotype is actually mostly true. And, and so, of course, my upbringing was extra unusual for that reason. You know, I was always a bit on the outside, not doing the stuff that my friends were doing, and I wasn't in that community. And so mathematics was always always my first love and that's the joke about the twitter handle is that i had i couldn't get a full-time teaching job in mathematics and so i had to slum it somewhere else and so hockey is uh, is where i wound up that's uh, that's amazing to me but it's also a great story in that hey even if you grow up in hockey mad canada you can still become a part of the game even without actually playing the game because I, I mean even growing up and look i lived in texas for a time when i was a kid so i certainly wasn't skating then i didn't learn to skate until i was 12 and had to ride a had to ride a, a bus down to a different part of town and rent figure skates. And even it was just, it was a whole thing and it was terrible. It's why I'm still a bad skater today. Uh, people who've seen me out there would attest to that certainly, but I guess love of the game, you'll find it. However, you have to find it if, if, if for lack of a better way to put it. Absolutely. And it also, it has some interesting effects too, because it, it means that when I'm working and of course I'm working mostly with fans, which are my customers, mm -hmm. the, I have a certain affinity for fans who don't share my background exactly, but who share that same sense of like, I like hockey, but I'm not like straight in the target market. I'm not in the direct sights of like the people that Gary Bettman is thinking about when he's thinking, how do we make sure that the game is good for our fans? Right. You know, that, and, and so that attitude, that upbringing leads me into thinking a bit more like, what would other people think about this? What do all hockey fans think about this? Not just focusing on, you know, how have we always done this? So what are your favorite visuals to put together? The ones I like the most, and look, I love all the stuff you do. Again, at Ineffective Math on Twitter and HockeyViz.com. You can subscribe there for access to all of Micah's charts and everything they do at HockeyViz.com. Um, the stuff I love more than anything else are like the standings-related visuals that give me an idea of, okay, this team's built their, for example, the one I saw earlier today, uh, just a few hours ago, it was league standings. And it shows you how each team has come about gaining their points. For example, regulation wins, overtime losses, shootout losses. Um, and it's I'm, I'm a bar graph guy. And it, it's put laid out as a standard bar graph, but with lots of different colors. Um, I love the, the point projections that you do 
over the past two weeks, right? And it shows teams and how they've climbed and how they've dipped. And you can see patterns developing in how teams have played over the last two weeks. What are some of your favorites to put together? Well, that second one you mentioned in particular is is by far my favorite. It's it, And it's everyone's favorite. And those things are related. And part of why it goes to something that you've been talking about on both of your previous spots today already, talking about how the Penguins are in this good spot, but the spot is only good because they have these games in hand. Right. And, you know, that, and that creates this slight nervousness and tension, right? You got to trust that your guys are as good as you think they are, as good as they've been in the past to actually win those games, or at least enough of them, like you think they're gonna. And, and so, but then of course that nervousness goes both ways because the other teams have to win them too, if they need them. And, but, but it's difficult to say to yourself, well, how much is that really worth? And that, that is where my sort of quantitative mind takes over. Where I think, well, you work it out, do a simulation, try to calculate how much it's actually worth. And then you, that sends you down the rabbit hole of exactly, you know, all of the other stuff. And so making a graph like that, where I can bake in, how many points do they already have? How good is the roster? Who are they going to play? What is the back-to-back -back situation? You know, can I account for all of these things that I need to account for? And then you can put something all on the same scale where you can say, look, here's all 32 teams. It's not just your team, it's everyone's team. And so you can get that context. And I always like to include that extra little bit of detail so that it's not just a, here's the takeaway. There's right. always a little, bit, a little bit more so that sometimes it can make things a little bit busy and people say, oh, you know, it looks like a kitchen sink. The, but you always want that little bit extra where once you've seen the first thing, you know, you're a Penguins fan, so you look for the Penguins on the chart. But right. then after that, you think, oh, I didn't realize that Boston was that far up. Or, oh, I didn't realize that actually Montreal, you know, even though they're bad this year, aren't that bad compared to the really bad teams. Like there's always something else to catch your eye. Right. And that and that idea, that sort of philosophy embeds into a lot of the things that I do and a lot of the charts that I really like are the ones where you've got a takeaway, but then you've also got this this tendency to linger and take in something new where you think, oh, I didn't realize that. The other one I love is just the, the simple, for lack of a better way to put it, it's, it's not a heat map, but it's similar to a heat map in that it just shows location of shots. And, uh, you know, a heat map, the heat maps that you do that look like heat maps are very good. You know, they almost look like, um, like landscapes kind of from 50,000 feet above earth. Like you see the plateaus and where the hot spots are and where the cold spots are. But then to just get a visual of all the dots and which ones were blocked based on the shape of the, the, the icon on the screen there, you know, you can tell if a team is, I guess, playing tentatively in the offensive zone because they're funneling everything outside, outside the dots and hash marks. Or if they're really packing the house and creating traffic as you would want a team to do as the playoffs approach, especially um, those ones to me, I think it, 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 it to visually put that in, in terms for someone who I didn't watch the entire Nashville game last night, for example, but I can see, oh, the Predators, clearly they're not feeling it because they're funneling everything outside. And I'm just using them as an example here. Um, you know, that to me, you, 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 you learn as much from that as you do, 10 times as much, I should say, from that, you know, shot map as you do from just simply looking at a stat sheet. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I kind of laugh sometimes when people say, oh, you know, advanced analytics this phrase that people throw about right. when when the boat like my bread and butter what i spend almost all of my time actually putting on a screen is where did people shoot the puck from <laughs> and which is one of you know it's one of those things that i feel like every fan at every level of sophistication can understand you know you want to shoot the puck and you'd like to do it from close to the net if you can that that sort of detail and but part of why Part of why I spend so much time doing so much of that is not just because it's it's so fundamental, but because it's also uh, 
really quick to pick up. You know, you take one look at a map and you say, oh, wow, look, a ton of shots from outside. That's not great. But it also tells you something else about the story too, right? If you're getting a ton of shots from outside, that means you're probably dominating the neutral zone play, mm. even if even if your shots are not great. And so you can you can immediately start into a conversation about, well, why are they doing this? Is it because they can't get close to the net? Is it because the defense against them is playing in a specific style? Are they being coached in an unusual style where they're deliberately trying to, you know, simplify their game and take more shots and try to generate some pressure, take some pressure off their goalie? You know, even the simplest stylistic details, you can, first of all, appreciate them almost instantly. And they lead you right away into discussions about, well, why? Why is they doing it like that? Or I like right. that, or I don't like that. And you, you're off and running almost before you, before you decide if what you're looking at is good or not. Michael Blake McCurdy of HockeyViz.com with me here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. I want to ask you about working with people around the league before I let you run, but I do have to ask a Penguin-specific question. In all of the visual representations of numbers that you've put together, I guess, since the All-Star break, because that's a point of focus for Pens fans. Uh, they go into the break uh, on a down note, yeah, losing to the Sharks at home, but they bounce back out of the break. They beat Colorado presumably in a game they shouldn't have won uh, more often than not. And then they take, you know, four points out West in a, in a three game series in California. When you're looking at the visual representations of what the Penguins are doing right now, what should give fans hope that they're doing things right? And what would still have you worry? The, the Penguins are interesting because they're, I mean, any team close to the middle of the league and the Penguins are closer to the middle than they are to the top of the bottom mm-hmm. are always interesting. Cause you always have this interesting pattern of strengths and weaknesses and so the the power play looks good to me. You're okay. talking about some of the some of the details about how you you know finesse how the power play intersects with the way that you have to negotiate travel. Um, but all up from a macro level, it looks good. Um, they're not taking too much from the circles. They're taking a lot from the from both sides of the slot from the net front itself. You know that looks really strong. Uh, the penalty kill looks like it could use some help. Um, that's a, an area of concern. Um, the total team defense, you know, Pittsburgh has never been a real like shut down defensive team. They've played to their strengths, which is up tempo. You know, our guys can score more than your guys, and that's how we win. Right. And that that strategy, I think you see that in the in the way that they play, in the way that they they generate, and in the way that they fail to suppress shots against. Uh, at five on five, the weaknesses seem quite mild. Uh, shorthanded, it seems a little bit worse. You know, they're relying on their goaltending a little bit too much. Uh, on the penalty kill. That seems like the kind of specific thing that maybe they could fix. And I don't know if it would be a particularly uh, common refrain among Penguins fans, but I wouldn't be too surprised if Ron decided to go out and and trade for uh, a penalty killer, a specialist, especially because they can be typically had quite cheaply. Penalty kill defense or penalty kill forward? Like, uh, for example, a guy we saw the other night in San Jose and Nick Benino. Uh, Nick Benino is a, is a classic all-rounder player. I think, I mean, he's old enough now that maybe his, maybe his value is more limited. Um, right. but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be at all surprised. Um, if, uh, especially cause he's a well-known name to Ron specifically, I wouldn't be at all surprised if they were to pick up somebody like him and he would slot in there nicely. One thing we are in Pittsburgh, if nothing else, is provincial, and we love guys that we already know, and we love guys that we have an emotional attachment to. And if nothing else, Hunter Ryan Singh a few years ago gave us that emotional attachment with the Benino, Benino, Benino. And so um, Absolutely. I, 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 that's not the only reason I brought him up a lot in the last week, because I do think he does. He fits because of what you mentioned about the PK and also being a depth, uh, a depth forward who can play center, give them minutes there. Um, before I let you run, I, I, I got to ask, you mentioned working with teams – uh, around the league, consultancy things and stuff like that. Are you finding, because we often hear, and look, 
the NHL, it, it, it is a bit of an old boys network, right? Like you see the same coaches, musical chair their way around the league. Even if they're not exactly the nicest people in the world, at least to the media, <laughs> John Tortorella, uh, they they find jobs, right? And so the, the same old guys show up in the same old places. And, you know, it, it's it's hard to believe that those guys are allowing new ideas to affect them. But are you seeing that? Are you seeing, I guess, the old boys network or maybe some of the newer people entering the game around the league use uh, not just advanced analytics, but use things like graphic representations uh, that you put together at HockeyBiz.com to influence the decisions they're making? Uh, they absolutely are. There's no question. And, and the old boys network, as you, which is the right name for it, is by no means shattered. But there are definitely improvements. There's definitely changes coming along. You, know, you look at you look at the front offices in Seattle, you look at, at some new front office hires in Vancouver, you know, despite the turmoil there, the, there's definitely a lot of progress in terms of hiring some new faces, some new analysts, you know, and people getting promoted. Eric Telsky is AGM in Carolina now. You know, you've got, there's definitely new blood coming into the, the league as a whole. And, and like one time I put in, again, in a consultant interview, a different GM than the last story, I put a heat map, just a, you know, these are the shots that your team takes mm-hmm. in front of a, a GM. And he had no idea that that data even existed oh my God. Uh, and, and in, in fact you know he said where did you get this from and i had to say from the nhl and he was <laughs> like and, you know the, the the like hidebound dinosaurs of the of the most old-fashioned type are steadily leaving the league yeah and and the people who replaced them some of it's just natural turnover you know executives get old same as players do and they leave and the new people come in some of that is is just natural turnover but it's also bringing some freshness where people have different approaches and um, not to toot my horn too much. A lot of, I, I'm starting to notice that the people who are taking those new positions are people who have grown up in a different culture, a different analytical culture, whether you call it advanced or not, where mm-hmm. people don't want to just look at how many points does he have? What's his plus minus? What league did he play in? Who is his dad? You know, they want to know a lot more detail. They want to have better characterizations of defense. They want to have details about, you know, who is he playing with? They want to account for quality of competition. You know, people like no one has ever, people bellyache about progress, but how they don't like it. But no one ever looks at more data and says, ah, you know, I was happier the old way. Yeah. I, I just, I, I love to picture, I'm not saying it was one of these guys. I don't, I, and I, you don't, I, I'm not asking you to tell me who it was either, but I love to picture like a Lou Lamarillo or David Boyle just sitting there at a boardroom table and you've got slides up on the screen. Goes, Where did you get this information, son? And grabbing you by the shirt collar. Where did you get it? You tell me right now. And you just say, yeah, NHL.com, sir. Uh, I just, I don't know why. I just love that idea that there are guys still finding out that things like that are actually out there. Micah, I could talk to you uh, for for the rest of the afternoon, but I will let you run. want to thank you for taking the time again. Uh, check it out, hockeybiz.com. You can subscribe to Micah's work there. And, of course, at Ineffective Math on Twitter. Appreciate the time, my friend, and we will catch up again soon. Pleasure's all mine. Thanks for having me. So six games in 10 days starting on Friday. That's when we'll have the next episode of Fifth Avenue Faceoff available to you as well. We get you ready for the back-to-back out on Long Island Friday night and then at home against the Devils on Saturday. Two huge games for playoff positioning in the Metro Division for the Pens. We'll see. You would think Tristan Jari will have to start one of those games, so we'll definitely keep an eye on the goaltending situation. But we'll also be keeping an eye on things like, well, are there any moves made between now and then? Not likely. I think Ron Hextall will wait until closer to the deadline to pull the trigger if he does on anything. Uh, will we have to start to worry about this power play 
as Tango pointed out earlier, less practice time can mean less time to iron out wrinkles on the power play. One of 13 since the all-star break. If they don't get a practice in, uh, will that affect them? If it is limited, will they only do special teams work? Maybe something to keep an eye on. Thanks to Michael Blake McCurdy of HockeyViz.com. Uh, at Ineffective Math on Twitter. Thanks to Wes Crosby of NHL.com, other NHL Crosby on Twitter, and of course, Eric Tangrady, who joins us a couple times every week as well. We'll do it again on Friday. Don't forget, subscribe inside your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate and review as well. Download, listen, and give us feedback as well, at the Chris Mack on Twitter. That's me. Let me know what you think of the first few weeks here of Odyssey's new Pittsburgh Hockey Podcast, Fifth Avenue Faceoff.